0: You're listening to the Lifetree Church Sermon of the Week. We pray that as you hear this word, you would be encouraged and inspired as you pursue Jesus in your everyday life.
1: Scripture reading today is Matthew 28, 16 to 20. baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age.
0: Thanks, Gary. It sounds like Roots is happening in the foyer today. uh, (laughs) Yeah, I'm not sure what's going on there. God, oh, they're getting badges. Um, Yeah, guys, we've been hanging out in these post-resurrection accounts of Jesus the last few weeks. We didn't uh, stay in it just for Easter. We did Mark 16 on Easter. Uh, Kim preached to us from John 21 last week. Here we are in these famous words from Matthew 28. Uh, But before I get into it, I wanted to actually just show you guys something. Did we get, did we get the video in there, Starla? Okay, so you guys maybe heard about this last week, but um, when we had the youth conference here last weekend, there was a baptism that happened in our backyard around 10, 10.30 at night. And, uh, and we just wanted to show you the video of it and then tell you a little bit more after you see the video. So Starla, if that's ready to roll, let's do it. Zoe, <laughs> so have you asked Jesus to forgive you of your yes, sins? Yes, I have. Are you ready for Jesus to be the king of your life? Yes, I have. All right, and we baptize you in the name of the Father,
1: the yes. Son, Come and the on. Holy Spirit. Yeah. <laughs>
0: So that was in our backyard uh, last Saturday night, like a week ago. And I just thought, you know, we told you about it, but it's worth seeing it. Uh, There's something about seeing, I think there was honestly like 50, 60 teenagers predominantly crowded around out there with the floodlights and celebrating this moment. and I remember as it was happening, I had this really strong sense to not try and leverage the moment, but just let it speak for itself. And um, what I mean by that was I, I felt like there was an opportunity to be to like, who else wants to get baptized, you know, and that all these youth could be coaxed into it, right? And I just felt, no, just let it speak for itself. And uh, what I have heard in this last week was that the mother of the daughter who you saw in the video getting baptized reached out to her youth leader who was standing beside her there and, um, and said, hey, can you guys get me a Bible? Uh, what ha- turned out was that this mom had been baptized up at Camp Immadine when she was a teenager but never really like lived out her faith. And the daughter didn't even know, and the family didn't know, and the mom was like, yeah, called the youth leader, can you get me a Bible, and can I start coming to your Bible study? Because I need to, like, raise my daughter right in this in this faith. And so she wants to, you know, follow the Lord. And then Lucas, who was preaching here Saturday night last weekend, shared that same video in their service at Coastline last Sunday, and it turned out a bunch of Uh, A handful of youth said, I need to get baptized. And then there was a dad of one of those youth who's been on the fence in his faith who came and said, It's time. I need to get serious in my following of Jesus. And so this one girl's decision to obey Jesus, do the very thing that Gary just read to us that Jesus said to do, uh, you know, get baptized in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, her decision to do that is producing. Uh, More fruit of the same kind in the lives of others. Is that not, is that good? Like, it's awesome. So, yeah, really, really good. So Jesus, okay, resurrected Jesus comes to his disciples and makes this statement that Gary read to us. All authority in heaven and earth have been given to me, right? Um, And how many of you have authoritative voices in your life? You know what I'm talking about? Like there's, there's voices that you will actually submit yourself to. And today I want to talk to us about the authority of Jesus and the authority of Scripture. But all of us know this thing that there are authoritative voices. Maybe, maybe for you, you have some defined requirements around what authoritative voices you will listen to. anybody Anybody have that? You know, maybe maybe it's like this. Maybe it's like, well, if they have a good marriage, I'll listen to them on marriage. If they strike me as being good parents, I will listen to them. If they, I heard somebody once say, well, unless they have a net worth of $200 million, I will not listen to them on financial advice. You know, like, you, I don't know what your requirements might be. But the reality is, is that we submit ourselves to these voices in different voices have authority in our lives. You know what I'm talking about, right? And uh, so like if you want to get good at basketball, you know, you know Kobe Bryant is, correct? Pretty good basketball player, right? Uh, well, Kobe Bryant said that he studied who? Michael Jordan. You could see it in his yeah. game. He's, yes. <laughs> it is this thing that, that Kobe Bryant's like, well, I'm, I'm going to learn from the best, I am going to listen to what Michael Jordan has to say about basketball. I'm going to watch how Michael Jordan plays basketball. Michael Jordan was this authoritative voice in the field of basketball. Or maybe for you in business, you're listening to Jeff Bezos and Elon Musk, you know, these billionaires, and you're like, these guys know a thing or two about business. But the reality is, is that there are these voices. I know for Telsey and I, uh, Kim and Darlene, who were speaking at the conference of the youth last week, they are voices that we listen to as it pertains to marriage and parenting. We see this quality in their life, and we're like, yeah, they know a thing or two about that. We should, we should listen to it. Well... You can can imagine resurrected Jesus in the scripture that Gary read to us. He's essentially saying, hey, yeah, those are all good. Those are good voices, sure, but all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. And he says, go, therefore, and teach people everywhere in all times and all places to be like me. Jesus is standing as the authoritative voice on life itself. You see, he's essentially pointing to the fact that because he rose from the dead, he knows a thing or two. (laughs) He knows a thing or two about eternal life. Uh, Death itself could not defeat him. And not just any death. This was strike me as I was meditating on this this week, that, that Jesus was executed by the Roman Empire. The Roman Empire was the superpower of the day. You gonna fix that for me? All right. So, this superpower was responsible for Jesus' death. And even the superpower of the day couldn't hold him down. So, when Jesus rises from the dead, this execution by Rome, there is a declaration being made of his authority of who he is. In other words, there was no higher throne in that day than Caesar's throne. Just in case you wondering, they're trying to fix my iPad. It keeps turning off. They're they're trying to... Okay. Something weird going on here. Very strange. Anyway, it's okay. We're going to either keep touching the screen or go without notes today. Uh, So here he is. Caesar himself, Rome itself, can't hold him down. No throne higher than Caesar. And when he raises from the dead, Scripture tells us that he ascended to heaven. The highest throne, the throne above all thrones, right? And so what he's essentially saying, guys, in this passage that we read is that for all time, in all places, for all people, I am the authoritative voice as it pertains to life, as it pertains to being human. Listen to me. Go into all the world, right? Go into all the nations and teach people to obey what I have commanded you. He's displaying that he has this transcendent authority in any time, in any culture, any place, any people. Are you with me? And to be a people who follow Jesus, is to be a people who actually submit to Scripture. This is a a leap, a connection that I want us to make here today and to see with Jesus. See, because we can look, when we look look at Jesus' life, look at his words, we can see the way he treated Scripture. He treated it with high regard. Again and again, he would say things like, it is written, right? Or he says to people, have you not read? And again and again and again. He has this high view of scripture. And then even the resurrected Jesus, when he meets with some of his disciples, that you would read in Luke 24, we won't turn to it right now, but he says that all the scriptures speak of me. This is what he tells them. There, there's another place where John refers to Jesus as the word made flesh. The writer of Hebrews says that God in all sorts of times and ways spoke to people, his people through the prophets, but in this time, in these last days, he's spoken to us through his son, through Jesus. Jesus is the perfect representation of God's word. And so what we see is that Jesus is essentially equated with the word of God and to be submitted to Jesus' authority is to be submitted to the authority of scripture. There's actually this high view of Scripture that we hold in the church. And that high view of Scripture is actually built upon the resurrection of Jesus. In other words, like because Jesus rose from the dead, we believe what he says to be true. Because Jesus had a high view of Scripture, we have a high view of Scripture. In other words, sometimes people will think, well, you just believe that Jesus rose from the dead because because you believe the Bible. And I would say, no, I believe the Bible because Jesus rose from the dead. Because I believe that Jesus rose from the dead and I believe what he said to be true, I believe the Bible. Because Jesus held the Bible in high regard, we hold the Bible in high regard. And I know that there is this... This thing for us, as modern people, this idea of submitting to an authoritative voice can be a little bit controversial, to go against the grain of our moment. Do you guys know what I'm talking about? Right? I mean, it's a bit of an offensive idea today. We're we're, kind of trained to be skeptical of authority. We have mantras like, you do you. Right? That's like, that is the code. Uh, what really matters is how you feel inside, right? That's the stuff that we're actually choosing to have as the authoritative voice in our lives, even in culture. And, and wh- why do we think this way? This is, this is this philosophical idea that has developed over time. And I want us to do a little case study before we go any further into this idea of submission to Scripture. And we're going to do a little case study on a well-known character in history by the name of Friedrich Nietzsche. Anybody ever heard of Nietzsche? Okay. Nietzsche famously said, you guys know it? God is dead. He he was well-known for making this statement over society. God is dead. And here's the rest of the quote. Not the rest of it, actually, just part of it. God is dead. God remains dead, and we have killed him. Here's some more of Nietzsche's beliefs. And just for those who don't know, Nietzsche was a philosopher in Germany, lived 1844 to 1900, a really prominent mind. And, you know, there was high IQ, smart guy, but some of the ideas that he developed and that he became a proponent of uh, really affected our modern thinking, the way we think today. There's been a, you know, a domino effect. And here's some more Nietzschean ideas, okay? I'm going to read just a few quotes to you from Nietzsche. There are no facts, only interpretations. Another one. All things are subject to interpretation. Whichever interpretation prevails at a given time is a function of power and not truth. You get a you get feeling where that causes you to be a little bit skeptical of any idea of authority? It's like, he's just saying, no, there's, there's not truth. There's just interpretations, Here's another one. There are no eternal facts, as there are no absolute truths. And lastly, you have your way, I have my way. As for the right way, the correct way, and the only way, it does not exist. These became really prominent ideas, really influential ideas. And, And the idea being, right, that there really is nothing out there, factual, absolute, that you can rely upon, stand upon, depend upon. There are only mere interpretations. And your interpretation or my interpretation, really none of them can be truth claims. And at the end of the day, the power lies with whoever can convince the most people to believe their interpretation. But there's really nothing solid to stand on. And he often talked about the courage it required to stare into the abyss. And his idea was that that's reality for us. Reality is this this dark abyss of nothingness, that there's really nothing solid, and and it takes real courage to, to look it in the face and acknowledge it for what it is. No truth, no facts, no reality, only interpretations. Well, does anybody know how Nietzsche's life closed out? At age 44... In 1889, he went insane. He spent the last 11 years of his life under supervision in an asylum, having lost his mind. I, I, would, I would imagine, you know, I can't prove it, but I would imagine something about staring into the abyss for a really long time <laughs> might have resulted and and you can hear as you listen to him wrestle like i mean he's there's this deep thought really deep thought but but with no grounding with nothing to hold to with nothing sure with nothing absolute and and he lost his mind jesus who lived fully submitted to the word of his father rose from the dead You choose. You choose who you'd like to follow, and the you see here's the reality. None of us actually believe and practice this idea that there's no truth, that there are no absolute facts. I mean, the claim in itself is an absolute truth. You hear what I'm saying? To to say there are no facts, there are no truths. It's a truth claim. It's a truth claim in itself. And so so really nobody lives that way. And the truth of the matter is all of us submit ourselves to experts in some form or another. We trust the expert, right? You know, like if I need a surgery, I'm not going to go, hey, you feeling like a surgeon today? You know, like, like you're, you're going to go to a person who's an expert, who's studied, who knows what they're doing. If I'm in a, a legal crisis, I'm going to reach out to a lawyer and I'm gonna go, help me out so I don't do this wrong. Right? We trust our accountants. We trust these different people and their expertise. Correct? And what I want to stand before you saying today is that from my experience, trusting Jesus and the word of God has served me really well. And it's served uh, generations well for years. It leads to life. There is this psalm. It's the longest psalm you can find in the Bible. Psalm 119. And the entire thing goes on and on and on about um, this love for the word of God, this love for the law of God, this love for his decrees, this love for his promises. But you only know them by by reading them. And there's this phrase that that I would um, like us to notice that's in that And it's this idea of according to your word. It says it again and again and again, or according to your law, or according to your promise. But what are some of the things that Psalm 119 says happen according to his word? Preserve me according to your word. Revive me according to your word. Sustain me according to your word. Save me according to your word. Or there's another one that says, give me understanding according to your word. Lastly, do good to me according to your word. And see, we we have this idea of authority where we think, you know, we're kind of skeptical of it like we talked about it a few minutes ago. But Jesus' authority is not one where he comes in to town like a tyrant and says, "Now you must submit to me. He's saying, no, guys, I know best. I know what's good for you. If, if, if you will learn to love my word, you will find that it's good for you. You will willingly want to submit your life to it. You see, the king of the universe, when he stands there as the resurrected Jesus, before he ascends to heaven, he doesn't say to his disciples, now go get some swords. One day there's going to be guns and bombs. And you, you, know, <laughs> you guys go take this thing. He says, no, no, go into the world and teach, teach them to obey what I've commanded you. Jesus understood that to really change the world, people had to actually be shown the goodness of his ways and his law and his words and invited in. The only real way authority actually works is in submission to it. In other words, if you've got authority that works only by force, only by gunpoint, only by threat of death, it's not really actually changing anything or anyone. But the king of the universe, the one who stands before the world and says, all authority has been given to me is the one who prayed for his enemies when they were crucifying him on a cross who extended the olive branch and the open door to his disciples who we've talked in weeks past about betrayed him, denied him, deserted him. He he is not this lording over tyrant. He's the authoritative voice in the field of life. Being human. And so when we think about God's word and submitting to it, I'd like us to just notice that he gives us a few things in his word, but the two I want us to really catch is instruction and identity. He instructs us in how to live, and he tells us who we are. And that's good. That is good. It's worth worth, uh, digging into, worth holding to, worth living according to, worth living under. My experience with God's word has been that it does the things that Psalm 119 says it can do. Revive me, sustain me, save me. It does me good. Some of you have maybe heard me talk about this before. Some of you have not. But when I was going through a time probably, I don't know the exact year, but I'm going to say probably seven, eight years ago. High pressure, high stress, a lot going on in my business, a lot going on in life. And uh, I was dealing with some significant anxiety to, to the point that I was feeling so stressed out this one night that I could not sleep. And I laid in bed with my body, my bones, my joints, my muscles aching from stress. Anybody ever experienced that where you actually have physical pain from stress in your body? I couldn't sleep. And I remember I got up at about 3 a.m. and I opened up the Psalms and I started to just read, starting with the, you know, famous Psalm 23, right? You are my shepherd, right? I shall not want. And I began to read the next few Psalms. And I remember just having this moment where we're where saturating in the truth of the word, it caused this this anxiety to break off me. The pain left. I began to just weep, and there was this release where I got this vision of God's goodness and his love toward me and and his love for me and the fact that the God of the universe is for me. And it caused me to be set free from anxiety. And I would say to you today that if you've got anxiety or depression that is wreaking havoc in your life, God's word can sustain you. God's word can save you. God's word can uphold you. You know, when Jesus was being tempted by the devil, it tells us in Scripture that the devil was there tempting him, trying to lead him astray, and again and again, he responded with, it is written. He fought against what the devil was trying to do to destroy him with the written words of Scripture. I know for me, I've had times where I have this feeling of, man, you're not worthy to do what you do. You know, I come up here, and I stand in front of you guys, and I, I, I read from God's Word, and we preach from God's Word, and, and do this job. Guys, I am not a perfect human. I'm sure anybody knows me, you no know, one's surprised, no one's like, oh, really? Thanks for, thanks for the memo. But, uh, but, you know, there is lots of issues still in my life, and there's plenty of times where I feel like the voice of the devil saying you're not cut out for this. You're not worthy to do that. And and I have this great treasure in the word of God that essentially allows me to say, "You know what, devil? You're right." but I don't stand on my own righteousness. I stand on the righteousness of Jesus. I don't stand up here and preach to you guys on the foundation of my perfection or my goodness. I'm here pointing to him and his. Yes, and, and, and you have this thing in your life. If there's a calling on your life, which there's a calling on your life in case you didn't know. Every time you have that feeling of I'm not cut out for this, I'm not worthy, I shouldn't be doing this, who am I? You don't have to bolster up your confidence in yourself. You can look to the word of God and say, oh, he qualifies me. Oh, his righteousness is what I stand in. Right? There's all this truth in scripture that you get to lay hold of and stand on and fight with. And Jesus is the, the voice in human history saying, listen to me. You can listen to whoever else if you really want to. But Jesus stands, resurrected, having overcome death itself, saying to the world, listen to me. Trust me. And so my question I'd like us to consider is whose voice will we listen to? And there's a call on us, church, to to actually walk with people. People. Showing them whose voice they ought to listen to. But not from a place of of beating them over the head with it, but from a place of like, this has saved me. This has sustained me. This has lifted me from darkness and put me in the kingdom of light. Like, I'm telling you, come with me. Come see him. Come look at him with me. Come know him with me. It's worth it. It's the best decision you'll ever make in your life. Jesus says, right? All authority in heaven and earth is given to me. Go therefore and do what? Make disciples. It is worth going into every part of the world, through every age, every culture, teaching people to look and act like Jesus. So whose voice will we listen to? You guys know this, right? We have a generation listening to a lot of voices. A lot of voices. We are, I, I think of it in this way, we are we are drinking from the fire hose of many voices. Every time we open up our Instagram feed or our Facebook feed or our Twitter feed or whatever it is, in all of this information age, we're listening to many voices. Influencers. And And I will say to you guys, like if you're, uh like me and you grew up in like the nineties or earlier, uh you remember a time when it wasn't like this. And you have you have you have something to compare it to. And uh, and there and there there is this this I feel like the we-, we have there's a bit of a rescue mission that needs to go on. That says, Hey just would you put the fire hose down for a minute? <laughs> would, you, would you come with me like Charlotte was leading us and singing to the river, to the table? Come, come drink from the river. Come eat at the table. That is Jesus. That is his word. What voice will we listen to? And you know, if we are subjecting ourselves constantly to the voice of social media or politics or academia, right, Or the voice of our feelings over him. Don't be surprised that you feel fragmented. Don't be surprised that you're feeling anxious and depressed. Don't be surprised. And our world, guys, our world needs a people who are grounded in the word of God who are grounded in something. You can clap. Yeah, you can clap, Kelly. I got one <laughs> clap out of Kelly. Uh, <laughs> I just wanted you to feel free because I heard, I, heard I heard one clap. Uh, but there's a strength that comes from submitting your life to this transcendent word. This word that through millennia, through ages, has proven to be faithful. You know, I know there's stuff that's confusing in it. I know that there's stuff to wrestle with. And there is a reality of interpretation. Frederick Nietzsche would agree with that. Uh, you know, there's 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 this reality that we have to actually, yeah, we wrestle with it. But the truth of it, what it's speaking is worthy of submitting our lives to. And if you want to understand it, look at Jesus. Because that's what Jesus is saying. He's saying, all of it points to me. When you read in the Old Testament, listen for Jesus, look for Jesus. Whatever it is you're feeding on in Scripture, look for and listen for Jesus. And so this is, this is you know, core Core value for us, not just here at Life Tree, but for the Big C church, God's Word. It's authoritative in the church. And if it's not authoritative in whatever group it might be, it just might not actually be His church. So there, there's this reality that we actually go, Jesus, your Lord. Jesus, you rose from the dead. Because you rose from the dead, I believe what you say. Oh, you say the word of God's important? Okay, the word of God's important. But I guess my hope here today is not to just you know argue that point to you and, and prove it to you all in these ways, but to invite you to the firm foundation, the tower of refuge, the rock of strength that I have found it to be in my own life. And I'm getting lots of nods throughout the room that would agree that, yeah, it's been that for me too. Right? And I would say to you, I think one of the best decisions I ever made in my life is daily Bible reading. And, and, it's, and it's daily Bible reading first thing in the morning, guys. I, I have a rule for myself. I submit to you. I do not pick up and use this thing until after I've used this thing right here. Because I need this shaping my worldview. I need this shaping how I see life, how I feel about me, all that sort of stuff. And so when we talk in these terms about the authoritative word of God in his church, it's not just a power play. It's not tyranny. It's, it's this voice that we have learned we can trust That's worth our trust. And so my invitation to all of you is is join us in a life shaped by the word of God. Join us in a path that is saying, I want to learn from you and here's how I'm going to do it. Like when I really think about what do we do as the church? Sometimes I think of it in these terms. We read the Bible, we study the Bible, we pray the Bible, and we practice the Bible. That's what we do. In case you don't want to forget, I'll say it again. We read the Bible, study the Bible, pray the Bible, and practice the Bible. That's what we do. And we're still going to be doing that a decade from now. We're still going to be doing that 20 years from now. We will be reading the Bible, studying the Bible, praying the Bible, and practicing the Bible. And if we're not doing that, we're probably not the church of Jesus Christ. And our world needs a people. Standing on that truth. Standing on solid ground. Because I don't see a lot of solid ground left out there. So let's stand and pray, and then we're going to hand it over to Kelly. Lord, we thank you. If you got a Bible with you... You can hold on to it. If you don't have a Bible with you, have one with you next week. Uh, I I highly encourage you to bring Bible with pages, okay? There's something about that. I'll talk about it another day. But, uh, But there's something really valuable about it. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the way your spirit's been speaking to people through millennia through the ages and the beauty of your truth and your voice shines through and we thank you especially for Jesus who stands before us saying all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me to summarize basically therefore listen to me and so we say as your church Jesus we want to listen to you we want to submit to your scriptures let them shape us, let them form us. May they save us, sustain us, revive us, inform us of, of what you say to do and who you say we are. And let that act as a light in this world. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the Life Tree Church Sermon of the Week. At Lifetree, we are a family all about declaring and displaying Jesus to transform lives and benefit our city. If you'd like to find out more about Lifetree, you can find us online at lifetree.ca.